Good morning. All right. Well, here we are. Isn't it great that we get to be together? I mean, after not being together, we should really appreciate this, right? Isn't it great? And I have a confession to make. Last week when I was working on uh, this message, I didn't watch the news, I don't think, all week. So I was kind of in this little bubble, you know? kind of oblivious to what's going on. And then the last couple days, I've watched the news. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, maybe I should have prepared a message that would give some hope and some help. You know, we have all the help we need in here and in our, with our relationship with Jesus. And this is where you'll find the only real hope. But that's not the message I prepared. And so I was thinking about that, and I felt like God said, you know, it's okay if we... If we take some time this morning not to think about our needs, not to think about the conflict and the chaos and the fear, let's turn our eyes upward and see what God says to us about his purposes and what he has for us. So I named, call this message, Why Are We Here? We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if you want to go ahead and turn there. 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 17. And then if you've got that, let's just take a moment to calm our hearts and minds and to ask God to meet with us. Father God, we are so grateful that we are a child of God that you created us, you made us for your purposes, and we belong to the King of kings and Lord of lords. We rejoice in that, God. We thank you so much. Thank you, God, that we can be here. Thank you for your word. Lord, you said that your word is living and active, that it is powerful and accomplishes great results. And so, Lord, we're here this morning as if we're sitting at your feet and saying to you, Jesus, we can't understand what you're saying to us unless you open our ears to hear, unless you give us understanding by the power of your spirit, unless you stir our hearts, we'll leave here unchanged. But your promise is that your word is active and powerful, and we want to see that in our lives, God, this morning as you speak to us. Thank you, God. Thank you for Jesus, through whom we have this relationship with you and can actually hear your voice through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, well, the main point, I'm just going to go right to the main point. Okay, the main point of this message is we are Christ's ambassadors. I'm going to start reading. We'll just read this little section. Start reading in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him 
to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So working together with him, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So are you one of those, have you ever had a time in your life that you've thought, why am I here? Like, why do I exist? Anybody else ever thought that? Have we ever, and I know we have thought about this, why is HCC here? You know, I've, I've been at HCC, uh, started coming here in 89. I've seen God do some great work here. I'm so thankful for those of you who planted this church here, whom God used. But why is HCC here now? And why are you here that's what I hope to answer in this message, um, that you leave here knowing the answer to those three questions. God makes it pretty plain to us, oh, okay? God makes it pretty plain to us why he made us. In several places of the Bible, you will find statements like this. Isaiah 43, 7, God says, everyone who's called by my name, whom I created, for my glory, whom I formed and I made. Did you see why he created us? For his glory, okay? It says it another way in Ephesians 1.12. It says that we who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. Now, if you want to know what your purpose is, that's it. We're here to give God glory. We're here to live in such a way that um, other people will praise God and glorify him. <laughs> Several years ago, Rick and I read the book called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. I would say it's one of just a few books in my life that have been really life-changing. So I really recommend that to you. If you feel like your Christian life is a little boring, uh, maybe you're a little too comfortable, read that book. Don't waste your life. And this is a paragraph from that book. He says, we waste our lives when we do not pray and think and dream and plan and work toward magnifying God in all spheres of life. God created us for this, to live our lives in a way that makes him look like the greatness and the beauty and the infinite worth that he really is. Yeah, when that's our focus in life, it doesn't matter what your role is. You know, I remember when I was younger taking gifting tests and thinking, oh, God has called me to be a wife and mom. Well, I outgrew that mom thing. I'm a grandma, <laughs> okay? And uh, yeah, I love being a wife, a pastor's wife, a missionary, but that role is over for me. I don't know what the next role is. That's just our role. Some of you are farmers. Some of you are students, homemakers, mechanics, uh, whatever your profession is, that's your role in life. You know that phrase that says we can magnify God in all spheres of life? God has us spread out in doing all kinds of things. You don't have to be a missionary or a pastor to live like this. He says, live in a way that makes God look great. That's our purpose in life. Well, um, Rick wrote a blog for a while, and I had remembered this. Mostly I remembered the chair. I have a cute story to tell you about this picture of this chair. But Rick wrote, you don't need to deny Christ to waste your life. You only need to remain content and satisfied with where you are spiritually. 
What he's saying is you can be a saved soul on your way to heaven and totally waste your life. And someday we are going to stand before God and he's going to look at us and it says that he will judge our works, whether they're good or bad. Now, our works aren't what get us into heaven. We're not judged by that. If we're in Christ, those sins are covered and paid for. We don't have to pay for our sins, but we will be judged according to how we lived our life and what we did with what he gave us, what talents he gave us, what skills he gave us, the time he gave us, the resources he gave us. That's what we'll be judged on. How did we use those for him? So the picture of this recliner <laughs> reminds me, one day Rick came home and he said, uh, this is back in 2014 or 15, he said, uh, this Friday night we're going to a, a Chinese Bible study. And I thought, that's kind of strange. <laughs> and he said, yeah, it's at UMKC campus. They have a Bible study there for Asian students. And it's Friday night, so I thought we'd go. Well, me, I'm thinking that's a crazy idea. We're obviously not university student age. <laughs> and that's really kind of out of my comfort zone, you know, like to walk in somewhere where you don't feel like you really belong. But Rick had such a desire um, just to be around Asian people. So we went, and I am so glad that Rick was always just pushing me out of my comfort zone because I would have missed a lot of life if I hadn't been pushed. <laughs> Um, so anyway, we're at this Chinese Bible study with Asian students, and I remember one day, one of their small group leaders was, was teaching, and he said, he said, you know, when my wife and I first moved to Kansas City, we're setting up our apartment in Overland Park, and we drive by this store, and there's a sign on this store that says, Lazy Boy. We're like, what can a store sell? that calls itself Lazy Boy. I mean, they had no idea. What is a Lazy Boy? So they flip around and they go back to go into that store. And he says, ah, I see. You, you sit in this chair, you put your feet up, you hit, put your head back, and you become a Lazy Boy. <laughs> now, after being in China and Taiwan, they don't have those type of chairs there. But I bet if we took a, a vote, uh, survey right now, I wouldn't be surprised if all of us have one of those lazy boys in our, in our house, right? Okay, so that's just something they'd never seen. But get this, then as he was speaking, he's talking to these mostly Chinese university students, and he says to them, I've noticed some of you have been late for church. Some of you are showing up late for Bible study. He said, I want to remind you that our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ back home are walking miles and sometimes hours in the dark to be able to do what we're doing here right now in the light. And he said, I'm telling you, just because you live in the U.S., don't become a lazy boy. That was really um, an eye-opener to me to see how Seriously, um, they actually take being a disciple. Don't be late. Don't become a lazy boy. We don't want to waste our life. So if we go to 2 Corinthians back there, we're going to take these verses apart one by one. He starts off, and this is Paul writing, saying, If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, we got to be sure we understand in Christ. Remember when I spoke on Romans 8? I hope we all got that picture. We're in Christ. We have chosen him to be our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, and our Master, right? He's, and then he pays for all our sins. They're covered. If that's you, that means you're a new person. Now, I remember when that happened to me and how I felt a change inside of my heart. But I realize many of you, and my children included, grew up in church and grew up as a Christian, and maybe you didn't really understand or feel that newness in your heart. But let me tell you another way to look at it. You are a different person. You're not like people who don't have Christ. The inside of you is different. You have different motivations. You have different goals. You have different purposes. You have different values. When we are in Christ, we are different from those who don't know Christ. So he's talking to us. We're this new creation. And he said, remember, God did this. God reached out to us to reconcile us to himself. Christianity is the only religion where God reaches out to people and draws them to himself. Every other religion, you have to work hard to figure out how to please your God. But our God, he reaches out to us. He paid for our sins at the extreme sacrifice of his son. So he says, remember, God did this for us. So he's giving us the ministry of reconciliation. In the next verse, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Now he said that twice. <laughs> I'm a mom. I know if I say something more than once, it's kind of important, right? I want them to hear it. So in case you missed it the first time, Paul repeats himself. He said, God did this. He was reconciling the world to himself. And this is how he did it. Not counting their trespasses against them. So, he's entrusted to us. He's trusting us, is a better way to say it. He's trusting us. He's trusting you now to go and tell people about this message of reconciliation, of God wanting to make peace with man and be in harmony with us. Therefore, Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ. You are an ambassador. Do you realize what a high privilege that is? What a dignified privilege that is? What an honor that is? That we are ambassadors of the King of Kings and Lord of all arts. And God makes his appeal through us. God is wanting to reach those who don't know him yet. And he makes that appeal through people like us. He has no other way to do it. They can go worship trees, but trees aren't going to speak to them. God needs us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. When Paul uses the word implore, he's saying, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Be reconciled to Christ. And I feel like when I lived in Taiwan, I had a... a a different idea it became more real to me that I am an ambassador. Um, this picture makes me smile because uh, we clearly stood out in a crowd. <laughs> we were in South Taiwan and at a city of 1.8 million people. 
but there were very few Americans. There were two other Americans besides us in our English church, but when we would be out shopping or out and about, I can only remember three times that we actually saw another American. And I say that to say that we really stood out. <laughs> we were different. <clears throat> and I loved it, <laughs> the fact that, as this picture shows, I could find Rick anywhere in a crowd. <laughs> So Taiwanese are generally not as tall as he and have black hair. So he's a head above everybody else and his white hair is just glowing and so I can get lost from him and he's easy to find. Um, but I was aware, especially when we first got there, how people were watching us. And so it made me be really aware when I went, stepped outside of my apartment, even on the elevator, even to the security guy at the desk. Um, as soon as I step out of my apartment, I better have my ambassador clothes on. First of all, they know I'm American just from looking at me. And I want to make a good impression, right? I love America. But more than that, I'm an ambassador for Christ. So um, I'm not the type that can just walk up to a stranger and start a conversation. I have to be pushed a little bit. Rick was really good at that, so I just tried to fall in and you know like him but just even just making eye contact with someone and saying good morning or hello you don't have to have a whole conversation just give them a smile be friendly look for ways to be helpful kind um that's one way we can be an ambassador so every morning i would think okay before i leave this apartment make sure i'm ready to represent christ well I skipped one. Oh, let's see. Well, can, can you find the slide that says we are Christ's ambassadors? There, thank you. So I looked up the definition of what is an ambassador just to make sure, you know, I said it right, right? It says his role is to establish a positive or peaceful relationship between the country that is hosting him and his home nation. There are people that do this. We got to become friends with a, a man who, uh, for his career, he was Rick's age, and as, during his career, he was an ambassador for Taiwan in Europe. And he's telling us what a great life it was. You know, so as ambassadors for Christ, we say, wow, what a great life it is. You know, my citizenship is really in heaven. This life here, it's really temporary. I'm just hanging out for a little bit. I'm an ambassador here. I'm here to represent the King of Kings. So as Christ's ambassadors, we are sent to do what he would do if he were present. Did you catch that? Now, I remember as a young Christian often hearing this phrase, WWJD. Know what that is? Got it? Everybody except two young people, right? WWJD. What would Jesus do? Uh, I think we need to bring that back. We have opportunities every single day over and over to stop ourselves from reacting <laughs> or responding and say, okay, how would Jesus act in this situation? How would Jesus respond? If he were here, what would he do? Because the honor and reputation of Jesus are seen in how we conduct ourselves. Did you get that? People are making their opinion about Jesus based on how you live. 
People are watching you, whether you think they are or not. If you call yourself a Christian, do you know that actually means you are Christ-like? A Christian is to be Christ-like. And people are watching you to find out who Jesus is and what Jesus is like. So I was thinking, so what would Jesus do if he were here? And I thought of Luke chapter 4. Jesus goes to the synagogue, and he picks up a scroll, and he reads from this scroll from Isaiah 61, a prophecy about himself. And he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus saw as his purpose. And Jesus said to the Father, as you have sent me, now I'm sending them. I'm sending my disciples. As God sent Jesus to the earth so that people could see what this invisible God looks like. Now Jesus went up to heaven where we can't see him. And he says, now I'm sending you. People will only know who I am by watching you, listening to you. And so Jesus says, you know, here's what you've got to do. Tell the good news. There's plenty of bad news. Let's get focused on the good news, right? The good news of Jesus. And notice who he really reached out to is the poor. The poor and needy. It could be poor in spirit. It could be poor in resources. Those who are downtrodden. Those are the people most likely to listen, let me tell you. They realize they have a need. He said, proclaim liberty to the captives. There are people who are captives. They feel like they have no choice in life but where they are, and they feel stuck and miserable. He said, recovery of sight to the blind. I think here he's talking spiritually blind. You know, Paul says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the glory of God in Christ Jesus. And Jesus says, I came to give those people sight so they can see my glory. When people see Jesus, they see who they are, and they see their need for him. He said he came to set at liberty, give freedom to those who are oppressed. I'm aware of how fear is an oppression, a real oppression in some people's lives. And Jesus says, be me. You're here. Go and do what I would do if I were there. This next verse, right after that, got my attention. Jesus is now talking to the people in the synagogue, and he says, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Basically, he's saying, What Isaiah wrote, that was me. This has been fulfilled. And then he says, It says, All spoke well of him, and they marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? So let me ask you, do people marvel at the gracious words that come from your mouth? Do people marvel at the way you love, at the way you um, extend kindness, at your compassion? Wouldn't it be great if people marveled at the gracious words that are coming from our mouth? Now we're at 
chapter, uh, verse 21 in chapter 5, and this is a verse you really got to have a hold of. If you're going to be a messenger for Christ, to proclaim the good news, you got to understand this verse. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the great, incredible, incomprehensible exchange. Here we are, sinners, all of us, every single one of us. Every person that lives on this earth is here as a sinner. You know, there's no difference between us and them. We should never have an us and them attitude, never. We are sinners just like everyone else. The only difference is we're forgiven sinners, and there's sinners who have yet to hear and understand the good news that Jesus died for their sins. That's the only difference between them and us, okay? So here we are sinners, and here's Jesus, perfectly holy, lived a perfectly obedient, holy life. And God says, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take all your sin, and I'm gonna put them on Christ, and I'm gonna take that perfect life that he lived, and I'm gonna put it on you. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that just like mind-boggling? That when we come to God, he doesn't see, oh, this, all these sins. He's not holding those against us anymore. Christ has paid for them. We have no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It's just as if we've always lived a perfect life. That's how much he loves us. And that's the good news we need to share with those who are oppressed and downcast. And then Paul concludes, he's talking to the church at Corinth, and he says, working together with him. That's why you're here, to work together. We can't do it by ourselves, but together. Paul talks about how we're the body of Christ, and the arm can't do it without the leg. You know, the fingers can't do it without the without the head we all have to work together but do it with him not in our own strength not according to our own ideas paul says work together with him i and paul is saying i'm appealing to you don't receive the grace of god in vain you if you have received the grace of god think what a treasure you have don't waste it share it don't receive that treasure in vain and don't do it out of a sense of duty. This is also in verse in chapter 5. It says God's Christ's love compels us. That means it grips us. My heart is gripped with the love of God. It is full of the love of God. It controls the way I look at people so that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Whenever you start looking at yourself and all your needs, just think of this. It's not about us. It's not about me. I'm here to show the world how great God is. And I do that by loving them, by being compassionate, merciful, kind, gentle, helpful, friendly. Simple things we can do because we have Christ living in us. Be compelled by the love of Christ, not out of a sense of duty, but because God loves you so much, you can't help but love others. So why is HCC here? Well, I'm sure glad they're here. HCC has made a great difference in my life, and I look back over the past years at all the ways God has used HCC in Harrisonville and in this neighborhood. And I want to share with you just a quick testimony about my childhood. See, I didn't hear the gospel until I was in high school, until I was a freshman. 
You know, I knew that at Christmas, some guy named Jesus had a birthday, so I got presents. That's all I knew. I lived in the U.S., okay? I had never heard the gospel. I didn't know anything about Jesus. My family did not know anything about Jesus. And I was thinking how we moved often, and in a couple of those towns, one time we lived right across the street from a church. Another time our house was here, then there was a house, and then there was a church. And the third time, a church was a block and a half away. I saw people come in and out of those buildings. I remember one church, boy, they had people going in and out Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, sometimes on Saturday. Lots of commotion, lots of people going everywhere. But it's like they never came and told us what they were doing. I had no idea what they were doing. My home was actually a really miserable home. My mom and dad had some horrific things happen to them that they didn't know how to deal with. My home needed help. We needed hope, and nobody from any of those churches that were just across the street, nobody came. Nobody even noticed us. A couple of months ago, I was reading a book by David Platt, and I recommend this as well. It's called Something's Gotta Change. And he made this one statement that when I read it, it just burned my heart. It just, you know, he said, there's only one thing worse than being lost. And that is being lost when nobody's looking for you. Can you let that sink in? There's only one thing worse than being lost, and that's being lost when nobody is looking for you. And I thought, that was my family. It's like we're invisible. These people are having a good time laughing, going in and out. They don't even know we're here. What about our neighbors, HCC? What about the people that live across the street from this building? What about this neighborhood? What can we do? What can we do? I love our, uh, our mission statement, building hope in Harrisonville, one family at a time. Are we doing that? How are we doing that? Are we starting here in our neighborhood? Are you doing that in your neighborhood? I'm going to share this again from John Piper, and I'm going to say it this way. HCC, let's don't waste our lives. Let's get together and pray and think and dream. You know, if we got together, there's so many creative people here. Think outside the box. Dream and make plans and work together toward magnifying God wherever we are. In Harrisonville, wherever we work, whoever we're interacting with, can we live in such a way that we show Jesus that we show Harrisonville, that we show our neighbors how great Jesus is. Okay, so the three questions I asked at the beginning. What is your purpose? Why are you here? To glorify God. Do you remember that? The very first verse, I made you for my glory. Okay, you know why you're here. Get up every morning, say, no matter what I do today, God, show me how to glorify you. The second question, why is HCC here? To glorify God, to show our neighbors and Harrisonville how great God is, right? And why are you here? To work together with him, all of us together, to proclaim the good news, to show our community how much he loves them. One more word. Um, 
I've been praying this from Romans 15, 5 to 7. You know, there's enough conflict and chaos and disunity out in the world. Together, let's just love each other, work like a family. I've been praying that we would be of one heart and one mind, and that all that matters here, we have the one intention of solely glorifying Jesus. That's it. That's our purpose. That's why we're here, individually and as a church. Let's pray. Father, we're so aware that you're here, that you see us. You don't judge us by our appearance, what's going on outside of us. You see in our hearts. And Lord, we want to represent you well. We do not want to give our community and our neighborhood neighbors a bad opinion of you by the way we react or respond. Lord, I know life is stressful lately, so we need you. We need you by the power of your Holy Spirit to rise up within us and to fill us with the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control that other people will see you in us. We are your ambassadors. Fit us to be a mighty team working together to proclaim your glory. We're so grateful that you reached out to us through Jesus Christ, not holding our trespasses against us. Help us to reach out to others in the same way with your love, and we'll give you all the glory. God, you know the people here in Harrisonville that have yet to understand the gospel. We can't assume they've heard. Help us, Jesus, to be bold and step out of our comfort zones to represent you to build your kingdom. We ask that in your mighty name and for your glory alone. Amen.